barrier and uh, cultural barrier to uh, meet other people. In the same way, the Christian community should be a place where uh, we not only associate with people that we are com comfortable with, but people that you don't know very well. I mean, uh, you know, always it is, it is great uh, to uh, meet uh, new people because you learn so much. Uh, when you meet the uh, same people over and over again, after a while, uh, there's not really much to uh, get out of. But when you meet new people, uh, even though it is uncomfortable, uh, very uncom uncomfortable, but you get, ah, that person thinks in that way. I never thought of it that, thought of it that way. Not necessarily that person is right and I'm wrong, or I'm right, or that person is wrong, but oh, quite differently, uh, that person looks at uh, certain things, life. Or uh, that person's lifestyle is very different from me, life circumstances. In terms of economic uh, life circumstances or uh, family uh, or uh, you know uh, life circumstances, it's all different. So by getting to know each other, the people that you don't know uh, very well, uh, you learn so much. But we have to overcome that uncomfortableness uh, in the beginning. I, I'm, um, my brother is very open and that uh, he's very outgoing, uh, but I'm a little bit different. <laughs> I'm literally different from him. He goes to anybody and talks. Me, I'm very shy. You know, so I don't really uh, talk to new, uh, strangers. But uh, if we can overcome that uncomfortable uh, aspect uh, of meeting new people, I think uh, we can get uh, so much out of it. So we decided not to divide people into districts. Because there are some people who are not uh, part of uh, that district, so uh, we are going to uh, have, organize uh, somehow uh, some group. Uh, are you comfortable with the group right now? As it is? Yeah? Okay. So you're, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that you cannot say that. I'm not very comfortable. <laughs> I mean, uh, the married couple, you're okay together? <laughs> That's what I'm asking, actually. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you're uh, relatively uh, comfortable, then why don't we uh, 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 keep the group uh, for a while, uh, at least for the, this uh, round of uh, Bible study. So uh, even your seat uh, will be... Uh, that's the seat you're going uh, to be so. Uh, so I, I, through, throughout uh, this uh, seven weeks uh, series, I hope that uh, we can get to know each other a little bit better. And then uh, hopefully that you can share a little bit more uh, openly. Uh, so not only you're, I mean, there's no such thing as uh, right or wrong. And uh, sometimes right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right. Uh, so. Uh, what we are trying to do here is not what is right, what is wrong. Uh, what, it, what we are trying to do is to get some insight from St. Paul. I'm going to study Romans uh, with you. And Romans uh, is uh, probably the, uh, the core of Christianity. Uh, core of the Bible, if you may say. Uh, all the gospel writers wrote the gospel, but it is actually St. Paul who... Um, established the system of Christian belief uh, in a way. So it is, uh, I think, good to know at least what Paul uh, had in mind, what Paul was thinking. And Romans was written uh, relatively late. Uh, and then Paul's letters were uh, written very first, before the gospel. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John. Before uh, those books, Paul's writing uh, was first. For example, uh, for example, probably uh, first writing is uh, uh, Galatians. Uh, that, that was in, in the 50s. So St. Paul was the first person who actually wrote uh, about Christian things. And then later, uh, other Christian writers, like Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, John, started writing in a different style. But Paul's letter uh, was more like a, a correspondence, like a letter style, epistle, a letter style. And then Romans is a little bit different. Uh, it's not letter style. It is a letter, but it's not really letter style. It's almost like uh, Paul uh, the, uh, summarized what he believed. 
probably because uh, Paul was going back to Jerusalem, he had to explain to the Jerusalem Christians that uh, what he believed. Because Paul was in contra- controversy. Paul, people hated Paul. A lot of Christians, a lot of Jews hated Paul. Uh, why? Because Paul's idea was so radical. So they, they did not. They they were scared of Paul's idea. Uh, so radical. So Paul had to explain. This is what I believe. Even Christians were scared of uh, Paul and then did not like Paul. And people like Mark, for example, in the middle of a mission missionary journey, he left. He took off uh, uh, because he didn't like what Paul was doing, what Paul was preaching. So Paul's idea was not very well accepted. Uh, you may think that all oh, uh, Paul's idea was the idea, but no, Paul's idea was a new idea at that time. Uh, so Christians did not really share Paul's idea and had a lot of problems with what Paul had to say. So uh, Paul had to uh, really uh, come on in. Uh, why don't you join uh, this group? You want to join this group? Um, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul was uh, Paul had to really explain to Jewish Christians or Christians uh, that what he believed, and also to the Romans, uh, he had to kind of uh, show them what he believed because he wanted to have Rome as a basis to go to Spain. Paul thought at that time people thought that Spain was the end of the world. And Paul thought that Spain was the end of the world. So they wanted to preach the gospel. Paul wanted to preach the gospel to Rome, but Jerusalem or Antioch was too far. So he wanted to make Rome as a basis, but he had to explain to the Roman Christians uh, about this is what I believe. So I want you to be the foundation basis. Uh, so uh, things like this. So uh, Paul wrote this thing from the beginning to the end in a systematically way, systematic way, so that uh, they understand what we believe. And so uh, Paul's idea, you uh, know, some people even said that Jesus preached the gospel, but it was Paul who built the system for Christianity. Uh, some of them. Uh, even said that. so. Uh, that much Paul's influence was uh, the strongest, and among Paul's letters, Romans was the most developed uh, epistle, most developed letter. His idea theology was most developed. Uh, so, but it is difficult. You know, uh, I'm going to. Uh, I mean, at first I was going to su- summarize, but it's no fun. Uh, even though it is a little bit boring, you have to discover uh, on your own. So uh, we are going to study from uh, chapter 1 to chapter 320. Uh, what I'm going to do is, I want you to uh, read it on your own right now, uh, soon. Well, not right now, but uh, I'll give you instruction. <laughs> uh, you're so obedient. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, you're going to read, but when you read it, uh, it will be uh, something like... Uh, uh, biochemistry book you read, or organic chemistry book you read. You read it, you don't understand. What is going on? You know, it's very, very difficult. Uh, when you read it, probably after you're reading it, especially if you didn't re- uh, read it before, at first thing you read, what is going on? I don't understand uh, what he's trying to say. So it'll be hard. So that's what we are going to uh, kind of tackle in a way. It's, it's like, a, uh, you know, when you, when you climb the mountain, uh, when you conquer the mountain, and you feel good. Uh, in the same way, uh, you're climbing uh, the mountain of Romans. And then, uh, when you are able to conquer it, then, ah, oh, I mean, you can never conquer it. Uh, but uh, at least you come to, oh, now I see a little bit, then you, you have conquered. And I mean, Romans had a tremendous impact uh, on people. Uh, people uh, completely change their lives and uh, things like that. I'm not saying that uh, that will happen here, right, uh, in our group. It may, it may, who knows, right? But the uh, thing is, uh, Romans is a very difficult book, but uh, I hope that we can uh, do that. And when you read the Bible, when you read Romans, when you read all these things, you cannot read randomly. Uh, uh, you cannot have scattered thoughts. For example, all kinds of ideas come out, but 
what is important is finding the thread that is more important than a whole bunch of ideas you learn. Uh, when you do the Bible study, a lot of times when they do Bible study, or they just pick up all the good uh, things to say, uh, good, good things, uh, good words. Uh, for example, in Romans, it has a beautiful uh, statements like uh, about love. Uh, nothing will be uh, uh, able to separate us from the love of God, uh, or uh, the give your bodies as, as a living sacrifice. And all kinds of beautiful things are uh, in Romans. But if you don't find thread, then you don't read it, actually. Uh, it, it is not really Romans that you're quoting. It's not really Paul's idea you're quoting. You just quote, quote your own uh, wisdom uh, in some way. So, uh, when you read it, you have to understand what is Paul's, Paul's agenda? What problem is Paul uh, tackling with right now? Through the, these writings, he must, have he must have had purpose. He didn't just write down all the good things about uh, what Christians believe, believe, but he has some issues that he wanted to deal with. Deal with. And that issue uh, today is about uh, Jews and Gentiles and sin and all that that comes out and you, he, you you have to understand Paul's agenda Paul's problem so what we are going to do is first you're, you're going to read it on your own and try to find that thread uh, so when you read it try uh, read it, uh, try to find the uh, thread, rather than just uh, read uh, through, try to find, uh, try to find the uh, thread. And after that, after that, uh, I rewrote, uh, actually, Romans chapter 1 to 320 in my own words, using Paul's uh, words a little bit. I want you to read it later. Uh, don't, don't read it that first. You first try to discover on your own through the scripture and then I kind of uh, took out the thread and I wrote it again uh, in some way so uh, at first we are going to that uh, to the, that exercise and after that we are gonna go a little bit uh, deeper into that you understand what I'm saying yeah okay so uh, uh, throughout this uh, uh, Bible study you're going to have a discussion, too, uh, among each other. So right in the beginning, I would like to give you time. Why don't you say your name? And again, if you don't know each other, uh, get to know each other. Uh, and then uh, maybe you can share your uh, favorite food. <laughs> uh, we'll do that. Favorite food, why you like it, and things like that. So why don't you do that for about uh, two or three minutes? Okay. Uh, first of all, let us, uh, as much as you know, let us uh, look at uh, the person Paul. You don't need to uh, have any previous uh, knowledge uh, to this. We are just, let us assume that we don't know anything about the Bible, we don't know anything about Christianity, let us assume that, and then let us start. Whatever you heard about Paul and uh, know uh, about Paul, uh, can you tell me who Paul is, was? From here? <clears throat> no, 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 just generally. From your Christian walk or a Christian teaching, uh, whatever. Who is Paul? <laughs> not so good looking. <laughs> yeah, he was bald, and his, his nose was like this, and his eyes were like a very, very close. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. What else? Hmm? Disciple, uh, he was a disciple, but he never met Christ okay? uh, in uh, actuality. He met Christ after Christ died. Right? So during, while Christ was alive, 
he didn't know Christ. Okay? So in that sense, so he usually calls himself apostle. Apostle is a person being sent out. That's what it means, okay? And what else? Jew, but Roman citizen. How he got the Roman citizen? Probably his father was a tent maker. Tent maker uh, was like a hotel uh, owner uh, at that time because all the soldiers need tent and all the travelers need tent. So they're the rich people. So probably he provided a, a, a tents to the Roman soldiers. So his father, he was a, a Roman uh, citizen from birth. Uh, but he was born in Tarsus. Uh, it's not a uh, 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 Jewish land, it's a, uh, outside of Jewish land. He was born in Tarsus, and then when he was about 10 years old, he came back to Jerusalem. And he came back to Jerusalem, and then he was educated in Jerusalem. So most of his education was done in Jerusalem, but he was born in Tarsus. Uh, so he was an immigrant and he came back. So he was like bicultural and bilingual. Aha. Uh-huh. So in that sense, he was bicultural and bilingual. So he spoke uh, Hebrew, he spoke uh, the Greek. Uh, he probably spoke uh, Latin. In Latin was an a imperial language, and uh, uh, Greek was a philosophical uh, language, and then uh, and uh, Hebrew was a religious language of the Jews. Yeah. And what else? Very well educated. Yeah, well educated. Well educated, uh, saying that uh, he was under Gamaliel. He was a big Hillel, uh, Hillel uh, tra- uh, like a kind of trend. Hillel was a famous uh, scholar and uh, underneath Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was Paul's teacher, so well educated. And then somebody said Pharisees. Okay, who are Pharisees? What kind of people are they? They were Jews, and, and. Oh yeah, they are hardcore uh, religious uh, people. Uh, they fasted uh, 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 twice a week, and then they gave tithing. Uh, they strictly observed uh, the law, uh, and then mostly they were very well educated. And Paul was about 30, 33, uh, so then by then he must have been married uh, Pharisees uh, they were usually uh, most of them got married and Paul probably was married and then kicked out after he became a Christian he doesn't talk about his wife uh, anymore so uh, probably that, that's what happened and then uh, in relation to Pharisees important thing is Rabbinic Judaism. Okay, what is Rabbinic Judaism? Uh, Jewish people, you know that uh, when you look at Jewish history, the Jewish people uh, were destroyed by superpowers around them. Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and these people came and invaded and it took some people to captivity and all these bad things. Jerusalem was destroyed, temple was destroyed, and they were kicked out from their own land, and all kinds of disasters happened uh, in Jewish people. And then their interpretation is, and then all the prophets, when you read prophets, their interpretation is because they disobeyed the law. They did not keep the law. That's why God punished them in that way. So rabbinic Judaism is that now let us restore this law. Let us strictly observe the law. As Ezra said, as the prophet said, so these people wanted to truly obey the law. And then 
as a Pharisee, and then uh, he believed in rabbinic Judaism, and that was the reason why he persecuted Christians. Because Christians, he believed that, he believed that Christians are against rabbinic Judaism. If you follow Christian way, then God will strike you again. As God uh, struck uh, our ancestors because they did not follow uh, the law. Now, if you guys follow Christ rather than the law, then God will punish us again. So that's why Paul was so zealous in going out to kill and persecute Christians. So, he believed in rabbinic Judaism, basically, his uh, theology, uh, before he met Christ. Good. Anything else? I think this is adequate enough for now uh, about Paul. Uh, uh, we'll study more, but that is kind of person who Paul was. And now this Paul is writing this. So now, you, probably you have not found skeleton yet. You have a lot of uh, meats uh, here and there, you read it, but we have to find the skeleton. So now, by reading what I rewrote, uh, we try to find skeleton uh, together, okay? So let us open that much shorter, just one page. Uh, uh, and then there's a one in the back, and I'm going to read it. And follow me. I am Paul. I was a persecutor of Christians. I persecuted them because they were wrong in the way they interpreted God's will. What we needed was to obey God, and the way to obey God was to keep the law. Christians followed Christ rather than following the law. And it's funny that now I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. And that's how he started. I am Paul, I, Paul the servant and apostle, right? Now I'm a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be a messenger and set apart for the goodness of God. I was a very good student of the law and knew the law very well. But after meeting Christ, I realized that there was the goodness Jesus taught was there all along and only I didn't see it. The good news was about God's vision for the whole world, and Jesus revealed God's righteousness to us. Gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The salvation does not depend on me, but on God. It is not about what I do, but about God's good will for all of us. We have to believe that God has good will for us. People have become so self-absorbed that their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They created their own gods and tried to control their own salvation. But what, they, what did they end up doing? They ended up falling totally into their own lust for the world. That's basically paraphrasing of chapter 1. That's what Paul is uh, talking about in chapter 1. So we'll go into chapter 2. Chapter 2 I thought as a Jew, I was better. I had a law and knew what was right and what was wrong. I lived my life passing judgment on Gentiles for their sins. But I realized that I was wrong. God was not pleased with that kind of attitude. While I was passing judgment to others, I was doing the same things. I realized that the main problem for all of us is self-seeking and rejecting the truth. Both Gentiles and Jews are guilty on this, on this equally. The importance, importance is not knowing the law or having the law, but living the law. The true Israelite is decided not by the outward sign, such as religion or nationality, but by the inward sign of being connected with God by the help of the Spirit. That's a basic summary of chapter 2. And in chapter 3, he says, Then I thought about... What would be the advantage of me being a Jew? To my history, my tradition, my spiritual heritage, and my religious fervor not mean anything? Then I realized that I have a long tradition of receiving the words of God from our spiritual ancestors, including patriarchs, 
Moses' kings and prophets? Just because I have the words of God, am I exempted and protected from the effect of my sins? No. God gave us the words of God, but we were unfaithful. But somehow God's righteousness shone much brighter in our sinfulness, as the stars shine brighter, as the night gets darker. That does not mean our sinfulness made God more righteous and more glorious. My sins did not contribute to making God shine more. Some foolish people may say, let us do evil that good may result. As far as the effect of sin is concerned, we Jews have no advantage at all. We are all under the power of sin. No one is righteous. That is our reality. The whole world is held accountable to God. No one can dare to declare that he or she is righteous by the works of the law. We are all at the mercy of God, and even if God decides to punish us, we human beings have nothing to say against that. And God has all the rights to punish us through the law. We are only conscious of our sin. That's as much as uh, Paul is saying up to chapter 3, verse 20. Uh, is it a little bit more understandable? Uh, what is going on here? Okay, good. So then, now you have understood the scripture a little better. Uh, we are going to uh, expound that a little more, a bit more uh, deeply. Uh, then, why did Paul? What did Paul try to establish? What, what was Paul's agenda, you think? What is he trying to establish here in, in the first three chapters? almost like to Paul is a revelation. The revelation was so powerful it was like a bomb exploding to him. You know one thing about Paul we didn't mention that Paul met Christ on the road to Damascus, right? He persecuted Christians. He was walking on the road to Damascus uh, to persecute Christians, on the road, he met Christ. We don't know exactly how. Is it a vision? Or a voice? Some miraculous thing happened on the road. And he fell off the, uh, off the, um, uh, the horse. And then he asked, who are you? And he said, I am Christ that you are persecuting. That was dramatic experience Paul had, or supernatural, miraculous experience he had on the road to Damascus. That was what he experienced. And then after that, he changed. Okay, that much you need to know. And what he heard was, I am Christ that you are persecuting. Okay. So, now, what is Paul's agenda? What is Paul struggling with? What, what? Struggling with the law that he used to know? Yeah. That's right. Righteous following the law. Yeah. Can we be righteous following the law? What is the effect of the law? What does law do? So far, rabbinic Judaism that I, if I just follow the law, even uh, literal to the point of being literal, then I'll be okay, I thought. But can, can, can we? In the first three chapters, what, what is trying to establish is that 
Jews and Gentiles, no distinction. That's what he's trying to say. There's no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. That's what he is trying to say. Are Jews any better? Paul's answer is no. For example, Gentiles are sinners. Is that a problem to uh, St. Paul? Gentiles are sinners. Is that a problem? Huh? No. That's how they always thought. They always thought that Gentiles are sinners. Right? So Paul, in Paul's rabbinic Judaism, in Paul's idea, Gentiles were always sinners. So by narrating Gentiles' sin, he, he wrote down all those things in chapter 1. He had no problem. He's just narrating it. What is the problem? Then are we Jews any better? Paul is saying, no. That's what he wants to say. Do you understand what I'm saying? So don't get sidetracked. That's what Paul, the main skeleton. For example, chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass, who are you? Jews, right? You who have passed judgment, you pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment to the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you escape God's judgment? Paul is saying, you Jews, you're not any better. You're saying that you are righteous and the Gentiles are sinners, but we are equally sinners. And then he says, God does not show favoritism. In other words, what does that mean? It does not matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. Whether you're uh, Asians or Africans or Americans, it doesn't matter. God does not show favoritism. And that is a really radical saying, isn't it? We Jews thought that they were the chosen people. We have the law, we have the salvation, we have inheritance, we have everything. And Paul is saying that God shows no favoritism. That's, now you see why Jews hated Paul, wanted to kill Paul. Right? I mean, that has been thousands of years they had that tradition. And Paul is saying that you guys are no better. You guys, God shows no favoritism to you. God, uh, Paul is saying that. Very radical. To God, they are both under the influence of sin. And uh, verse 17 to 20, when you look at it, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, and an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? So Paul is saying that you are no better. Continuously, that theme, that melody, dun, 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 you know, uh, the, 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 the Beethoven's uh, uh, Symphony Number no. Five. That theme continues, and then uh, continuously says, dun, 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 dun. you know, he goes on and on. All other things are side thing, but it's a main flow, main skeleton. We have to understand. Right. Right. Yeah. But the, the audience is not just the Jews in general. These are the Christian Jews. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah, Christian Jews. Christian Jews. And the problem with, uh, with Paul is that he's been out doing, spreading God's news and he's been telling mainly Gentiles yeah. about uh, Christ. Yeah. And he has to reconcile those two camps. Yeah. 
I mean, Christian Jews, Christian Jews, uh, there were no Christian Jews. They were Jews, Messianic Jews. Uh, they were the Jews who believed that Messiah came through Christ. And another, uh, I mean, I, I was not going to go into uh, too much of historical background, but since you brought it up, uh, if I, uh, in, uh, I think, uh, 49 AD, uh, uh, Claudius, uh, made an edict because the Christians, the, these Jewish people had so much fight, internal fight. Probably most, most internal fight was Jewish Jews and Jewish Christians in a way, like Messianic Jews. They were continuously fighting. So they kicked them out, uh, Claudius. Uh, and then uh, Nero uh, became an emperor and he brought them in. So uh, the, to the audience, the Romans, uh, Christians, there were uh, Christians who believed uh, in Christ. There were uh, Christians who did not believe in Christ. Uh, and also, also, within the church, there were Gentile Christians who became converted, and then Jewish Christians. And there was a, and also, you don't understand, but uh, right in the beginning, uh, you, let's say you're Jew. Uh, <laughs> And then you are uh, Greek uh, 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 or Gentile, right? You don't sit together, even though you're Christian. <laughs> you, you, you're separate. You don't eat together. Uh, so even as a Christian, like a, uh, we, are, we are all Christian. We are all one body of Christ. And we are in the bond of love. That's us now, 2,000 years later. But 2,000 years before... Even among Christians, there were Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians. They were separate. And the Jews never ate with Gentile Christians. And that was the situation at that time. Okay? Now, this, this uh, Jews are no different from Gentiles. We are equally same sinners. We are equally under the effect of sin. Where did he get the idea? You think? Where did he get the idea? You understand? You don't understand my question? Okay. I mean, Gentiles and Jews are all equal in terms of sin. Where did he get the idea? Before, he thought the Gentiles are sinners and we are righteous. But where did he get the idea? Himself. How? That's right. He believed in rabbinic Judaism, so he followed the laws and all that. He thought he was righteous. But on the road to Damascus, what he realized was, I was all along against God. I thought I was a good God believer. But all I did what I did was worse than thieves and all those bad people because I was killing people who truly followed God. He realized that, ah, my feeling about myself does not make me righteous. Just because I come to church, just because I do these right things, just because I uh, give tithing, or those things don't make me any better. He realized. Much bigger thing is was affecting him. Now, together, then his understanding of sin has changed. Before he met Christ, he had certain understanding of sin. After he met Christ, he had different understanding of sin. Now you discuss together. 
what is the difference? Okay. Yeah. Simple question. So, yeah. at the time, did other Jews think the same way as Paul that Gentiles were or Christians were sinners? Korea Christians were sinners, and all the Gentiles were sinners. Right. Okay. So the difference though was Paul persecuted them. He he was. Oh, other Jews also persecuted them, but they never realized it. They still thought that Christians were bad people and then. Uh, they follow the wrong way. But Paul discovered, he met this, he had this wonderful experience with God and his thinking changed. So, so I don't want to sidetrack this and I don't want to answer right now, but I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm thinking right now, what made Paul so lucky? Why did Jesus appear in front of Paul when there were so many other Jews like him? And because of Jesus appearing in front of Paul, he changed the way he thought. You know, what made him so lucky? Why did yeah, Why did Jesus choose well, that's a wonderful question, and uh, somehow it is almost impossible to answer, right? Why some people all of a sudden are awakened to his own sinfulness? Why all of a sudden somebody is so awakened that I live uh, in vanity? I want to live a good life. Really, it's hard to tell. Uh, that person is better, in, in, in any way better? I don't think so. I don't think that should be the answer, and I don't think that is the answer. And that is, we don't know why that happened. Why God ha- uh, appeared to Paul uh, at that moment and not others, we don't know. But somehow, God's appearance to Paul made all the difference in the, the course of human history. Uh, yeah. Yes? I just Okay. why Paul was chosen. And yeah. I think because Paul was so passionate uh-huh. about yeah. being in the law and like to the point like he was killing Jews. Yeah. Imagine that passion and that conviction yeah. but for the for the true Christ. Yeah. Like this is That's a right. person who has all this passion yeah. and if he's put in the right direction, yeah. he could move the world. That's right, yeah. So I think with anyone else they might be passionate, they may have love, and they mm. may be, but to go and be this brave and go amongst all these different cultures and yeah. basically see, like, I was completely wrong. Yeah. And then to take that passion and put it where it's supposed to, that, that to me can move. That's right. Yeah. I, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I believe that. Yeah. So probably decided to show mm. Paul I mean, Paul uh, was passionate even before Christ, and Paul was passionate even after Christ, right? So Paul's change was not, he was not, he was morally bad person before Christ, and then uh, became a, all of a sudden a good person. He wasn't that kind of, uh, so as uh, uh, you mentioned, uh, they, it's almost like a call. He was already ready to take on, because he was already passionate and all that, and God chose that person to go further. Yeah, so... Uh, that we see in retrospect, right? Yeah. Good, very good. So, why don't you have a discussion and digest a little bit what I'm saying, what, we are, what Paul uh, went through, and then about sin, and then digest together. Uh, so, let's cover. What did you discover? Any, anything, we'll be fine. <laughs> what did you discover? Paul's understanding of sin. We are all equally sinners. And how is it different from Paul's previous understanding? I think his previous understanding is as long as he obeyed the law, then yeah. he's not a sinner. Uh, yeah. But that perspective yeah, has changed. Yeah. So, what kind of change is that? He's almost saying this law that has been defining them as their, you know, the sacred Jews doesn't really matter anymore. Like, okay, the law doesn't really define you as whether you are the you know, true. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have the circumcision of the hearts. 
His previous understanding of sin was more his action, what he did, like was he following. Whereas afterwards, I think his understanding of sin was more his natural state of being, which is kind of disconnected with God and, yeah, utterly separated. Yeah. So more of a state of being versus actions. Ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. I see. I mean, yeah, I, I think you articulated very well. For example, law, you're a lawyer. Uh, you can only deal with uh, what I did. Oh, well, you have to have the requisite mental state, too. Right? Yeah. But if I, if I commit sin within my internally, you cannot do anything about it, right? Yes. Yeah, you, you have to act on it. You're right. When I, I have to act on it. I think about doing it, law cannot handle it. Right? I think about doing something. Law cannot handle it. But when I actually did it, then law can come in. So, so sin, he realized that of effect of sin is much more than affecting, affecting our behavior. Just, just by changing the behavior, that doesn't mean that I can be changed, uh, he said. So he's not really uh, Skinner's uh, behaviorist in some ways. Uh, just because I change behavior, uh, that doesn't mean that sin is not there. I mean, Jesus said the similar thing. To your brother, you, you don't have to kill him, but if you say, what is it? Raga, Raka, and you kill. You see a woman passing by, you don't have to do anything. If you think about it, you're already committed. So Jesus is talking about the deeper aspect of sin. Just because I didn't do it, that doesn't mean that you're exempted from that sin. And that's what Paul discovered. And a lot of times, law deals with it, morality uh, deals, uh, deals with what you do, and people only see what you do. Uh, what you think, nobody knows. So as long as it doesn't show in behavior, you're okay. That is our understanding of sin. But this is Paul's understanding of sin. There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away, they have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know, there's no fear of God before their eyes. We focus so much on what we do, but Paul discovered that sin affects us much more deeply. And it, in other words, Jews and Gentiles, no different. You, no different. Just because uh, you didn't do, that doesn't mean that you are any better or in any way. Deep inside, by not doing one thing, you made it worse in other things. You're just trying to cover up yourself. And then you're not honest with yourself. 
uh, in that way. You pretend you are righteous. You show off the, your righteousness. But when you truly sit down on your own and look at yourself in the mirror, what comes up? Do you see that? Or are we just living like a whitewashed tomb? There's a tomb, the corpse inside, but outside with white paint, nicely painted, but deep inside there is a corpse, death. Are we living like this? Then there's no salvation, Holy say. That kind of whitewashed tomb, you may claim your righteousness as much as you want. Whether you're believers or non-believers. Even non-believers are righteous. Oh, those guys who go to church and they do all this kind of thing. I don't do those. At least. I don't go to church. Where does he get righteousness? What kind of righteousness is this great? Everyone is trying to claim righteousness. But this whitewashed tomb kind of white righteousness doesn't get us, get us anywhere. And then Paul... So, biggest problem that causes all this problem, and I think, this, discover that what that is? From Paul's writing, what I discover is that core problem is a futility of thinking. Human beings thinking has become futile. That is a become that is that is a core problem. Their thinking became too big. And this is what Paul uh, said. We'll just keep that. Yeah. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened from that futility, bloated ego, uh, vanity, uh, thinking that they're righteous. This is big uh, uh, mind. Uh, because of that, their foolish hearts were darkened. They became darkened. And so, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like a more of a human being and birds and animals and reptiles. I think Paul's idea is that I became too big. Paul realized about himself. I became too big, and I had become totally darkened, and I could not see what was always there in the scripture. I was blinded somehow, and I couldn't see it. And this blindness was caused by futility. And human beings, from the beginning, that was a problem. Adam and Eve, what did they want to do? They wanted to become like God. Futility. What's wrong with becoming like God? Isn't it good to become like God? What they wanted was power of God, but not the love of God. It is really, really dangerous to give power to somebody who has no love. It is better off that person not to have power at all. So, if you want to have power, this much power, you have to have this much of love. If you don't have this much of love, don't, don't try to have this much power. You cannot handle it. Only with this much love, you can handle this much power. And what, what human beings want is this much uh, power and this much love. And they become very, very selfish. And they abuse the power. And it, they, Adam and Eve wanted to become like God in terms of power, not the love they wanted. And after that uh, flood and all that, what did they do? They just built the tower. Let us make our name great. Futile. Futility of their thinking. When somebody has a power, their thinking becomes corrupt. They become futile, more futile. And, then bigger. and they become darkened. 
They cannot see what they are supposed to see. And that has become the way. And then ultimately, what is Paul uh, saying? This is what human beings have become like. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than creator who is forever <coughs> praise and honor. <laughs> Is there any more? More? No. Okay. So, ultimately, futility, they wanted power and all that. Result was that they become totally corrupt. They could not even uh, handle themselves. I mean, this world we live uh, right now, terrorism and uh, nuclear weapons and all kinds of things, we human beings are so wise and so big and uh, so powerful and uh, what did they create? This kind of messy world that we human beings uh, have created. It all started with futility. And the thing is, the way God handled that result was not to come and wipe. Because he saw, uh, God decided not to do so anymore. After the flood, I'm not going to wipe them up anymore. What did, what did God do? God left them. Alone. God left them alone. And only when they get to the bottom of it, they'll recognize. Otherwise, they will never recognize in the middle. That's why God uh, felt that it's useless to uh, continuously try to change them. They, God left them alone. The Jews, the Pharisees, they thought they were righteous, but they became futile in their thinking. And God left them alone. Come on, now, if you, when God left them alone, what did they do? Ultimately, what did they do? God left them alone, and what did they do? Yeah, they crucified the Son of God. They crucified the Son of God. Even to that moment, and then when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God left them alone. And then to the end, they killed him, crucified him. Only when Jesus died, who confessed? The centurion said, truly, that was the Son of God. Eyes were open. and was able to see. We human beings thinking that we are smart, thinking that we can take care of ourselves, thinking that we are powerful enough now, thinking that I have enough intelligence, enough money, I can take care of myself. From that moment, we are. We become corrupt. We become futile. We become darkened. We become blinded. We don't see what we are supposed to see. And then that's what Paul realized. On the road to Damascus, he, what do you, I mean, after that, uh, from his eyes, something like scale fell off. He was darkened, but that, and when that was fallen off, then he could see. And then after that, he did fasting and all that, he realized that how big I have become all this time. How big I have become. When I'm this small, when I know only this much, I assume that I know this much. When I'm this small, I assume that I'm this big. How big I have become. And he came to himself. And he discovered himself. He found himself. And he thinks that Salvation is possible, only that. Otherwise, it's all whitewashed to righteousness. And that righteousness will not save us. All right. Tonight we'll end. And then next we will explore more. Then what is that righteousness? What is that righteousness?
We'll explore that. Chapter 4 and 5, if you have time to read, if you don't have time to, just come. I gave up. Many <laughs> people read 10 times. If you want to read it, read it, fine. If you cannot read it, that's fine. Chapter 4 and 5. So let us pray together.